batteries are low so this may uh, cut out suddenly Scarborough dude here for you on a uh, Tuesday I'm parked at a uh, local community center I guess Cedarbrook Sun has just gone down and it's wow blasting into my eyes so on go the shades hang on yo oh yeah now I can see um yeah Tuesday November 28th. We just fade out that music. Kind of enjoyed that a little rush. It's um, four four fifteen in the afternoon. Don't have any plans for supper yet, but I'll tell my wife I could make pasta. I got some leftover meatballs in the fridge. Yeah. So I guess a little bit of catching up to do. Barnacle Bill, aka Bruce, uh, stay with us. Let's see. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, left on Monday. Yeah, that'd be it. We had a great time. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. That'd be pointless. But it just it just went very smoothly. Uh, very loose plans. And basically the plans involved getting out to a park and taking a walk. And we did that each day. So I introduced him to my regulars. I pointed out every favorite bench. So we did do... Um, Thompson Park on the last day, of course, and uh, Bluffers Park for a good walk. A couple of twice at Bluffers Park, I think. And um, that's right. Favorite benches everywhere, uh, you know, and mentioned this is where our podcast from, but uh, he has never listened to one. And I guess if I predecease him, maybe he might one day out of curiosity to go back and listen to an episode. So uh, I don't know if he just happened to come across one where I was talking about him. Sometimes I've said some. Uh, not nasty things, but I've, I've, you know, we've had friction in our relationship, and so I, I was a little, somewhat concerned about this visit. I, I laid down some ground rules, like no talking about me, my son, my family, or, you know, no, well, not me. Me, I'm okay. I'm fair game, but uh, my son and my family are, are how we run our household, you know, because it's easy for people to, uh, to come in and. Um, Criticize certain ways of doing things, and uh, I think he has been known to do that in the past. But anyway, he abided by the rules, and we had a, a very good time. And my wife likes him very much. He has a good rating, you know. She she knows him quite well and was very comfortable in his presence. I asked him a lot of questions about his family and his background, and uh, you know, learned more than I knew about him. But um, I guess a highlight, literally was when we went to the Rosetta McLean Gardens. Wonderful, wonderful Rose Garden Park. Just a great one. Off Kingston Road, right above the uh, Lake Ontario, high above. And even in the winter, when uh, all the flowers have gone and the roses are dead, uh, the trees are beautiful. Uh, They take on a different appearance altogether when bare. And active with squirrels, red squirrels, brown, black, not black, gray. Yeah, gray and black, not brown. And uh, even little chipmunks. And uh, blue jay, beautiful blue jay came and landed uh, in the tree where we were sitting under. Uh, but the, the trick was we got to a certain bench and I decided, I had my eye on it. I said, that, if I'm going to have a toke, that's where it's going to be. And so I hauled out mine, he hauled out his, and we each had a couple of puffs. Um, I think I got considerably higher. I think I had a few more puffs. And boy, did that ever uh, turn the day into something new. I know that sounds silly to say, but it's just like we we connected. There was some laughter. We, We dug out some old memories and friendships. We got into conversations it was one of the rare times that I had forgotten my iPhone in the car, and he's just—he's new to 
you know, fancy mobile phones. So he was having to figure out his camera and how things work. And so I was sort of giving him the instructions. Okay, I'd like a picture of that one. Picture of that, please. Yeah, picture of that. And, of course, we had the rock with us. The rock rolled around in the uh, drink holder on my uh, roller for quite some time. Listen, I am um, part of that time of being high was it launched me on a a theme I wanted to get into, and I was very adamant. Yeah, this is this is what I want to talk about. It's going to be raw. It's going to be honest, and it was very very strong at the time because I mean this stuff does affect your your thinking, your outlook, uh, the things that you put more importance on, and. I guess it's all gone now. I, I can't quite, you know, bring back what it is I wanted to share. It was it was to do with honesty. Uh, it was to do with the fact that, I mean, our friendship, remember, this is a friendship that goes back more than 50 years. And... A lot of history in there. I mean, traveling across the country together. I think we uh, shared the same girlfriend at different times, of course. Uh, Lived in each other's, you know, couches over time. Uh, He was part of the great Vancouver migration from Montreal. And Montreal's where we connected around Glen's water pipe with the hashish. Uh, he went to McGill, I went to Sir George. Uh, but it was after that when we, we sort of formed our Lachine tribe, the tribe that migrated to Vancouver, that we really uh, connected, and especially out in Vancouver. My girlfriend and I moved in with his girlfriend and him. Actually, that was in the middle of the night because we got thrown out of the place where we were staying. That's another story I won't get into. But there's a history. And it took that talk to really open up and feel connected again. At least it did for me. It, it, it just got away. I think I had put a lot of limits on or, I don't know, conditions or somehow there was just that little bit of distance that I felt and the talk sort of broke it all down. This is what we do, and this is what we've done for years. You have a talk, and you you celebrate the day. You you enter the moment, and you you just enjoy. And there's that a free spiritedness feeling of you know maybe re celebrating. You know we we connect, shared a lot of memories, and maybe it's a celebrating of the the freedom we we had, the freedom we made for ourselves. Because we did choose to live slightly unusual lives and and make the most of our youth, which is why, you know, neither of us are rich today, and that's okay. If, uh, you know, if you could go back and change things, I don't think there's too much I'd change. Anyway, the thing, the, the part that was, I felt was so important to share with you is this honesty, this... It, it was an insight, and I just don't have it. It's gone. It was. I, I think it had to do with maybe might have been tangentially related to me judging people. The fact that I am very judgmental. Um, it had to do with somebody else who I won't name, but somebody I followed on the internet. I've met in person. Um who I suddenly have no respect for. Maybe it was always questionable or borderline or something, but I finally just came to the conclusion, no, this guy's an asshole. And it it, it kind of surprised me, but it was also almost liberating. Well, why shouldn't I feel that way or express that? And I think a lot of what I've done, I make allowances for, for people in general, maybe because I'm a little hard on myself. And so I'll always try and find out why somebody is the way they are. If there's something that I think is a, is a, you know, would appear maybe to be a shortcoming or a fault, 
I'll sort of go back and think, well, maybe because of this or because of their father or because of their upbringing or because of this or that or whatever, and, and make excuses. But I think after a certain point, hey, you know, if the person doesn't appear to be even making an effort to change, then you can draw whatever conclusions you want. And uh, so I'm comfortable uh, thinking of somebody as being an asshole, an ignorant asshole at that. Okay. <laughs> that that wasn't entirely what uh, what I was going to talk about. Um, I guess, I don't know, it's to do with connections. I guess, I just don't know. So, therefore, there is no point in me going any further. I, I'm, I'm lost. And I'll uh, head on home. Today was the first day I went to the library, and it's the first day I picked out a large print book. And I must admit... It sure looked like it would be easier to read because I'm still in that between stage now of uh, not quite ready to get a new prescription, but maybe in another few weeks I will be, and uh, it'll be for nearsightedness. Um, okay, that's yours. That's it. This is it. Scarborough Dude, just getting started on this Dixon Jane's podcast number 973. Uh, I'll be back. Bye for now. Ding, ding. I lost the bell. I put it away. Separated. Separated. Okay, so I think you heard, uh, gotta keep them separated to start off this clip. It just happened to be on the radio. And uh, now here we are in exactly the same spot that I podcast from yesterday when I hadn't quite collected my thoughts. Except today, uh, Wednesday, November 29th, 2023, it is snowing. Very lightly, but kind of that wet snow, but a a sign of things to come. Uh, I've just come from the Toronto Public Library, the one on um, just off Markham Road. My favorite, the one that was closed for renovations this summer. It's a great library. Two stores, two stories, an elevator, and uh, generally pretty friendly staff. Um, Their system was hacked. I've mentioned that before. And it won't be back online, they're told, until January. And who knows if it's uh, all fixed by then. So it means every time you take out a book, they've got to get a slip of paper, look up on a calendar to show what date three weeks from today is, um, and then handwrite your multi-digit uh, library card number and then handwrite the number of the book you're taking out or books if it's a list. It's just a pain. And these are fucking hackers who say, hey, pay us or we're taking down your system. And they did. God damn it. I, I, I'm so <sighs> angry, hateful. Of organized crime. These are these car rings where they get young kids to just steal cars. Not always young kids, but 
people, you know, hey, it's easy. This is how you do it. And then you'll get this money. And meanwhile, they sell them. The higher-ups are who you want to fucking nail. Anyway, I don't want to go on. I don't want to go on because it, it just fills me with so much anger that there's... I mean, it's one thing to have wars and hate each other and kill each other and blow up each other's buildings. You know, that's disgusting. But that's on another level. This is people who could do better, but hey, it's to make money, and this is how we can do it. Doesn't matter. There's no morals involved. I guess there might not be in war either, but... Uh, sick fucking people? I don't know. It's a bit of what we maybe talked about uh, yesterday in men's group. But anyway, we're going to move on. Um, I'm spending more time maybe than I should with YouTube. Uh, I wasn't in the past. I was pretty good. I don't know. I stayed away. But it's so easy just to press that button on your remote and call out YouTube. And then, bam, it knows what you want to look at. Um, I spent a bit too much time uh, learning about Mal Evans, who I already knew about and uh, sometimes known as the sixth Beatle. Um, basically, their go their gopher in a lot of ways, and he was not treated very well. They never gave him a raise the whole time. He was there from the beginning, doing all kinds of stuff. He shows up in pictures everywhere on their albums. He even contributed a little bit in lyrics. Never got anything for that. Uh, murdered by the LA police. Uh, well, he was pointing an air rifle at them. So I mean, and he was down on his luck by then. He was broke. He was always broke. They never gave him a raise. They just like, hey, he was just a flunky. So it doesn't reflect well on the Beatles how he ended up. So anyway, somebody's written a book uh, in cooperation with their son, who seems quite happy that Mal's getting a little attention. So there you are. Now I'm wasting your time, but you know, it, it's it's somebody who played an important role and uh, just kind of got a raw deal out of it. Ah, Arlene Dickinson. Does anybody know her? If you watch, um, what's the Canadian show where they're pitching things? Uh, oh my God, how could I forget that? You know, anyway, it's not, it's the Canadian version of Shark Tank, um, where they're, you know, they come on and do things. Anyway, Arlene, she, she's a pretty cool person. I, I like her. Uh, she writes, getting older is truly a gift. You lose the crazy highs and lows of youth and the want-to-have chase of middle age and settle into this beautiful row that is calmer, far less about changing yourself to please others and solely to impress. The facade, the facade changes and our souls settle into their physical homes. I'm only reading that because I copied and pasted it. All right, so what else did I do with um, my time today? I went online and did all kinds of research, thanks to uh, Rob Reiner, Carl Reiner's son, for putting out a podcast about the Kennedy assassination 60 years after, and with, you know, more information that's dug up over the years. And by God, if you want to Google or uh, YouTube search for JFK assassination, wow. Uh, but it's interesting, the stuff that comes to light. And I guess I just what I wanted to share with you was I was always a firm, no, single man, Lee Harvey Oswald did it and that's it. Um, somebody paid Jack Ruby to bump him off, uh, which would suggest the underworld. And that makes you think, well, all right, so who paid Oswald or who was, you know, he, you know, involved with, uh, and you know this, I don't have to tell anybody the story, because if you're listening to this, you know, you probably already got a whole bunch of information, but it's interesting that new stuff is coming to light, and I've actually changed my position. Now I really do believe there was more than one gunman. I never, ever would have um, believed that before, you know, the, the simplest thing. Now, you can't tell me that uh, the 9-11 uh, was an inside job. And I'm not going to go into any conspiracy theories about that. These guys planned it. There are a lot of other people involved who weren't flying the planes into the buildings. Um, but I don't see it as a conspiracy. They were just a plan to get America, and they nailed it. They did an amazing job. But the Kennedy one, there are too many things. The cover-up of, uh, of the commission... Uh, that was done. The interviews with, you know, people who came out later, people who were not 
interviewed when they should have been, and the stuff that's come out. And and I guess with uh, Dolly's being fired from the by Kennedy from the CIA for the Bay of Pigs fiasco, um, I would say the CIA. I would point a finger there and, and whoever else was in the military-industrial complex who would have things to gain, who were against Kennedy's appeasement with the Russians and with Castro, um, they wanted him out there. There were powers in America who wanted Kennedy taken out. And so there's where I'm coming from. It was not Cuba. It was not Russia. Um, maybe indirectly they played a role, given that he lived in Russia, Um we're talking about Oswald again. Um, the sole government theory, no. They interviewed uh, a doctor who was, I guess, an intern at the time when they wheeled Kennedy's body in right after the uh, assassination. And he insisted uh, that the bullet came from the front, not from the back, which was Oswald's position. And I certainly believe him, and he did not come forward before. Number one, he wasn't asked to speak. Uh, but more importantly, he was sort of suggested, if you want to keep your career, you go with the party line. And the party line was, it was Lee Harvey Oswald, and that's the end of the story. And uh, I think it probably haunted him, and he did come out. Um, there was a 1992-2020 investigation interview um, where he spoke out. And, uh, yeah, so the Warren Commission Limited... And it was headed up by Dulles, the one that Kennedy had fired. Like, whoa, okay, he's going to give it the ending that, uh, the conclusion that he wants in place. So, yeah, so shots fired from the picket fence. And I think the thing that really interested me today was one of the railway men who was standing up on a on a, the bridge, you know, overlooking where the car was coming. And he heard the shots and saw a puff of smoke from behind the picket fence and swears by that. And boy, did he ever seem like a trustworthy guy. Uh, was never interviewed. Uh, but what telling about that story was seeing police running up the hill toward that spot behind the picket fence, right? They too would have heard them and seen them. So anyway, all of that was dismissed. No, no, no. It was all by, and then of course, all the logistics. No, it wasn't possible for him to fire off three shots. There were other shots fired. Uh, and then this business of the planted bullet. So, I mean, you go, <laughs> don't come to me for your information. Go and listen to some of the stuff out there. But I think it's it's fitting that 60 years later, uh, and it was done also 50 years ago, there were videos put out and so on, uh, that people really are starting to say, no, this was, uh, this was, a, this was Americans taking out their own man. Uh, it's, it's, and it's tragic because you really, really do have to think where would the world be today if the President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, had not been assassinated? And, you know, people talk about, oh, history is never made by one man. It's all these other things. And that's that's true. But single individuals can have a huge impact. And Ken- Kennedy had a, a, a huge following. You think of things like the, the, the Peace Corps that he started and, and the direction when he wanted to know we don't want another war and was doing everything to, to head off a, a showdown with... Uh, with Russia, and um, you know, stood his ground over the Cuban Missile Crisis, but was was ready to talk and and saw the danger, and uh, that just didn't suit the powers, the institutions that were uh, that, that that are in control today. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. I guess you've had enough. I've had enough. I guess uh, here's something. Uh, I got a nice email today from Tom. At, at Podicize, and he says, and I'll read it to you in case you want to pick up on this. If you're a podcast listener, listen up, buddies. Hey, podcaster, Tom here from Podicize. Have you ever wondered why more people are not listening to your podcast? Boy, oh boy, <laughs> he's talking to me. Or how other podcasts are getting more listeners? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As a podcaster myself, for years I wondered why the largest podcast hosting companies do nothing to help podcasters get listeners. He, he wondered that for years. He really did. They leave it up to the individual podcaster, you, to raise awareness of your show. But no matter how many followers you have or how big your list is, you can only do so much. So... This Friday, that's coming up, folks, this Friday, 
That'd be December first, uh, I think. Yeah, this Friday at one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live session to share the three podcast promotion tactics. I'm going to repeat that: the three podcast promotion tactics that will work to gain new listeners. Through much hard work and testing, we have cracked the code on this, and it's time to share it so you can start getting more listeners now. If you're interested, click on this link and register below. Now, I did not click on the link because I, I, I'm okay where I'm at, believe it or not. I know I grumble a lot, but uh, I'm okay where I'm at. But if you... Out there are a podcaster listening to this one, and you want more listeners, text me, email me as soon as possible, and I'll give you the link from uh, Todd, no, Tom, sorry, Tom, over here at Podicize, okay? So there you go. That's just to help out. That's just, I'm trying to do something nice for you. All right, I was talking about Bruce the other day, who I've referred to often as Barnacle Bill. don't think he particularly likes that. Um... One of the things Bruce did that I didn't mention in that little background blurb, he was the, the ground worker for the Dixon Jane zine. When it first started, Bruce is the one. Bruce worked for a company, uh, a computer company that had a base in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Or they had actually storage on, on the reels, the great big tapes, sorry, tapes. Uh, on computers in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and the Dixon Jeans, the original ones. I would send Bruce handwritten stuff until I got hold of an Apple IIe when I moved to Japan, and then I'd print them. But they'd often be in pieces and include letters from other people, and Bruce would do, put the whole thing out, um, type it all, and then print it on a dot matrix printer and mail them out. So he was the guy in Canada who would send, who'd do the mailings. And a lot of them he just hand-delivered. And then he'd ask people, you know, five bucks or so, you know, for uh, keep your subscription going. So Bruce did a lot of the groundwork. And uh, I, he still has a lot of the original material, uh, the tattered copies that I mailed him. He's got all those in a box. I've got all the originals. So the real, the whole history of that 20-year run plus a few in later years, of the Dixon Jane zine. When it was in print, we have all the source material. So if, you know, it's unfortunate none of us are famous, and this is of uh, now, of course, consequently of no value to anybody but ourselves, uh, it's still there, you know. So it's not too late. We're not ready to throw this stuff out yet, the source material. But uh, Bruce did an awful lot. Uh, the zine would not have kept going had it not been for all Bruce's, a lot of legwork in just getting these things uh, stuffed into envelopes, mailed out and delivered. So there you go. I needed to add that in. So I think that's all I'm going to do today. It's another 15-minute clip. Uh, I'm going to go back home. I did pick up, I've gone for the large uh, print books. I, I, I got one, Ian Rankin maybe? No, 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 not him. Uh, somebody else. And it's heroics. And I thought, oh, okay, it sounds interesting. The beginning, uh, a guy watches his mother, the famous lady, beautiful blonde hair and so on, have her head chopped off by the guillotine. And he's there and he vows, and she vows, stay alive, you know. And uh, so he's one of the people in this Courtney family, I guess. It's, they're in several of the books. And then suddenly we switch over and we're off the coast of Africa, South Africa. And we've got the... Another man who's uh, the admiral, I guess, in the British Navy. And then his son, who's commanding other ships under him. And the two of them heroically go off to battle. And it's all, oh, come on, come on, come on. I I want three-dimensional characters. These are as two-dimensional as you could get. So I'm I'm abandoning that book. So I went back in looking for uh, mystery novels. The ones that are, they, they do the same character over many, many books. And I did find, again, it's fairly large print, Ian Rankin was a writer. Um, and this one is Dead Souls. And it's all about the same uh, Scottish detective uh, 
the Inspector Rebus, and I read one of them. And these ones you can get into. It's character-driven, you know. It's not the heroics of, you know, that that first one. I mean, man, he's he's diving into the water. He's the older one. He's the admiral. He's diving into the water. He's saving a 300-pound Scotsman and his kilt from drowning and hanging onto a rock and pushing boats out of the way so they can all storm the beach and take over a fort, uh, you know. Hey, fuck off. Jesus. I I want real people. And some writers can do that very well. So, all right, there we go. Scarborough Dude signing off. Oh, geez, I keep putting putting the thing away when I'm not done. So I I am signing off, and uh, gosh, I, I, I just don't know what appeal this could possibly have to anybody but myself. But I know some of you are out there listening, and I think I do a pretty good job, you know, for what it is. <sighs> yeah, no. Oh, you know, on that note, on that note, I posted something on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, because I did post something on Facebook that um, um, 10 years ago today, 10 years ago today, I was on Porter Airlines flying up to Sault Ste. Marie. Now, who do you know in Sault Ste. Marie? Yes! Dr. Dave and Isabel the Artist. And uh, so Isabel posted, and this came up, and this is one of the reasons I like Facebook. This came up, and so I reposted, and I'll read you what it was 10 years ago today. Today is a big day. We have a podcaster friend. I don't have to do it in that voice, do I? We have a podcaster friend coming to see us. One of the most indie podcasters in Canada. Now, I like the sounds of that. Thank you very much, Isabel. One of the most indie podcasters in Canada, Ken Bull. Welcome, my friend. We'll be there to pick you up at the airport. When podcasting started for Dave and I on July 28, 29th, 2005, podcasting was new. There were only a few shows. Bob and AJ, Canadian Podcast Buffet, The Zedcast. Now, of course, there are a few others, but that's a nice little collection of our good friends uh, in the Canadian podcasting world. We gradually became friends with the podcasting family. We are a collection of artists, intellectuals, latent journalists, marketing gurus, question mark, and entrepreneurs. Everything and anything under the sun. Communication is the most important thing for us, and we do it how we want it and not for money. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Isabel. So there you go. That's a nice little ending to uh, to make a little sense of what this world is that I live in. Scarbo Dude, signing out. Oh, God. One more thing. All right, there was one more thing. I shared it yesterday with the group. It's a little, um, it's, um, oh, my God, blood pressure, blood pressure, 970. New note. Here we are. Oh, no. Oh, this one's too hard. No. All right, I'm going to read it. This is my uh, Thich Nhat Han, who I've always, always sharing and posting and so on. And it's a hard one. I, I want you to think about this, okay? I know I've blabbed for a bit, but this one I want you to calm down, calm down. That's the reset. I want you to think about the words I'm about to read. If you don't respect yourself, it will be difficult to love and respect others or the earth. When you're caught in the idea that this body is you or this mind is you, you underestimate your value. But when you can free yourself from the notion of self and see your body and mind as a stream of being of all your ancestors, you'll begin to treat your body and mind with more respect. Now, I'm sharing that because I'm not there. I don't fully get it. This is like a novel idea to me. Uh, When you can free yourself from the notion of self and see your body and mind as a stream of being of all your ancestors... So all the past that is you and gets passed on and passed on, this this never-ending connection, it's very, very hard to grasp. But I, I, think, it's, I, I think it's of interest. So if, if somebody out there has a handle on this and would like to uh, tell me about it, let me know your thoughts. Scarborough Dude.
shining out from uh, the little community center, Cedar Brook. Bye for now. Yep, it's the big bell. That means I'm sitting in cell. Uh, I have not sat in here for a long time, not since I uh, took it in to be winterized, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling I've neglected a little. a little. So, uh, yeah, parked in the driveway, of course, and uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna talk for a little bit. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Um, yeah. I'm very conscious of what if there was just the possibility that somebody who had never heard this podcast before, heard about it, never heard it, listened in, they're going to be very judgmental, as as I am. It's human nature. They're going to think, oh, what the fuck, man? Bam. Not listening to that anymore. And and I know it's a little bit of self-consciousness, and I, I shouldn't even go on about it, but it... Yeah. The fact that I judge people quite quickly and I'm becoming more judgmental as I get older um, means I expect it of others, you know. Hey, sure, fair game. So I, I am a nice guy. Like if you met me in real life, like out, real life, real life outside this podcast, you'd say, oh, yeah, I like this guy. Well, maybe not. If you're an asshole, I'm going to be an asshole too. So no, scratch that. All right, <clears throat> let's move on. Take two. How it's made. I could watch that show all day. I am just absolutely blown away by these processes, the the things. It just it it's amazing how far humankind has gone to make things that, that we use every day. I mean, you're talking about like chemicals, you know. To make plastic, to make this, to do that, to form this. The machinery involved. The steps and the processes. I mean, you get, you'll get you get something that's, you know, here, a handmade watch in Switzerland. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see why that's going to cost a lot of money. And then something else that's just done on by, by robots and computers. And, and, and it's, it's incredible. It, it just... It's stunning to think this is the human race. And why is it? And this is this is the argument that atheists will have. Because you're not believing in fucking superstition and witches and magic and dark arts and everything else. You're using science. You're using the human brain to understand what the fuck is life all about. Well, no, we don't do that part. How, how things work. And then you can go on and you can make this shit. Ugh. Anyway, it, it just, it amazes me. Um, speaking of amazement, not to the same level, but very, very impressed with, somebody called Craig Baird, who I've never met, didn't know anything about, didn't even know his name until today, who does Canadian History Podcast. And he does quite a few. Uh, one of them, oh my God. You could probably have them on in the background. But for the workers increased across the province. On March 5, 1949, the Archbishop of Montreal, Joseph Carbonneau, delivered a pro-union speech calling for all Catholics to donate to help the strikers. Duplessis immediately asked the church to transfer the Archbishop to Vancouver, but the church refused. And this was a dramatic shift for Duplessis. And while the strikers eventually compromised and most lost their jobs... The strike's impact on Quebec society was immense, and three men played significant roles in the strike, and they would go on to influence the Quiet Revolution and the future of Canada itself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there. Like, what, 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 what a line! Okay, John Marchand, okay, Trudeau. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause it there. That was just a nice sample. Um, this was on the Quiet Revolution. It's called, uh, well, anyway, that's what it is. You can find him. If you just Google can Colin, uh, what not Colin Baird, uh, Craig Baird, uh, Canadian history, I got hooked because today I, I'm following on on Instagram, I guess, and today there's a post about Pierre Burton. I love Pierre Burton, and apparently uh, Craig Baird does too. So he was 
talking about him, and then I was, oh, wait a minute, he's doing these, these are podcasts, you know, I was reading it, but I can listen to it, and then I went online, and holy shit, it is the First World War, he's doing uh, Canada, like, every year, I think, from 1867, I don't know, it just it, all the prime ministers, and it's really well done, and well researched, and well produced, and I got this. I thought, wow. And so I've only downloaded a few. And I've got, my God, I've got a backlog now. But I'm putting that out there because um, tomorrow is the Canadian National Day of Podcasting. I put a little plug out on our Canadian Amateur Podcasting um, uh, site, uh, you know, to, to remind people if you haven't ever heard of this thing. And it was on our Facebook page. Canadian Amateur Podcasters. Uh, if you're a member, you will have seen it, or if you pay attention. Um, and I'm going to release this tomorrow with the hashtag CNDOP. And that's why there's a possibility, oh, maybe somebody new might listen, because I'll, I'll pimp it, I'll promote it. But what I want to do, if nothing else, is promote this guy's podcast. Like, they're just amazing. And he, he's, you know, he's looking, hoping somebody will uh, become a Patreon, Patreon or uh, subscribe or just make a donation or whatever. Uh, the other podcast, it's called Coast to Coast Building um, Canada's Railway. And that's very interesting. He started off the very first one before we were doing the Transcontinental and it was about John Molson and McGill building the first railway in Canada to get between um, Montreal and New York. And it's it's just so interesting. Canadian history is in general, but we don't know that because we're fucking dominated by the United States. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't mean to be rude to my my friends in America. But it's just our culture is fucking washed away. Nobody pays any attention, you know, again, your heroes. Who were they when you were a kid? Well, everything I saw on TV, what was that? Well, I was all American. Um, but here he is going through uh, interesting stuff on the First World War as well. So highly recommending that. All right, I'll end that there. Um, I had I had more notes about him, and of course they uh, got deleted. I haven't yet figured out how do you when you when you accidentally delete something when you're using notes on your iPhone, how do you get it back? And I know I heard somewhere, oh, you just shake it, just shake your phone, but that's never worked for me. So uh, anyway, <sighs> we're gonna we're gonna switch gears here. What the fuck is going on? Sorry? What the fuck are you doing? Oh, my God. I thought you were dead. You thought I was dead? What the fuck about you? You're brain dead. Oh, my God. Uh, boys and girls, I'm, uh, I saw a whole lot I can do about this, but we have somebody called a Prick who's come back to uh, taunt me. I'm not here to taunt you. I'm here to... Uh, apologize on behalf of everybody who's tuned into this fucking show. Oh, Perry, come on now, you know. You're fucking aiming to do a thousand podcasts, and I hope like fuck you're going to quit when you get to that number. Prick. I, well, it's not any of your business anyway. Nobody's asked for your involvement or your opinion. You never asked for it, but you need it. You need someone to remind you. That you've really gone to shit. I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It's a real fucking embarrassment. The way you don't remember things, the way you use the wrong words, the way you're repeating yourself, the way you're telling the same story again and again, the way you make people listen to a whole fucking hour when you've really only got maybe five minutes worth of stuff to talk about. Well, that's one way of putting it. Look, the pick, uh, can can you just leave me alone? Because it doesn't help me at all when you when you do this. I do get rattled, okay? Of course you get rattled. That's the whole point I'm here. I want you to be rattled. I want you to have that whole fucking head of yours to get rattled to the point where you're going to say, all right, maybe it is time to stop. You don't have to reach a 1,000 episodes. Prick, it's not that I'm aiming for a 1,000 episodes. It's just, well, in fact, I just realized today that on my birthday, my next birthday, 
if I do one a week the way I've been doing all this time, on my birthday, my 76th birthday, I will reach episode 1,000 if I don't cheat. If you don't cheat. You've cheated just cheating the whole fucking time by making people listen to this crap. It's nothing but cheating and, and, and you know, pretending it's a podcast saying, oh, yeah, I'm still out here. But you're not. You haven't been here for a very long time. When was the last time you really gave something that was really of value to anybody that anybody really wanted to hear? It's an embarrassment. People are listening because they feel obliged, but you can believe it. They are leaving. They are, they are, they're not listening. They're fast-forwarding. They're putting it on two times, three times speed. They're going off. They're making sandwiches. They're, they're doing anything but listen to you because they know they could come back in 10 minutes and you're still melting on the same piece of garbage you've been chewing on for, for years now. There's not, there's not a whole lot I can say about that. There's, there's, I'm not even going to try and defend myself. I'm, I'm being authentic, okay? I don't think you, prick, understand the meaning of, of authentic or authenticity. It's just doing the best you can, okay? Accepting yourself for who you are. Yeah, well, who are you? You've been asking that question forever. You pretend to be the Scarborough dude. You think you got some kind of persona, something that's kind of important, very cool, and so on. There's nothing fucking cool about you, and there ever was. It's a fraud. It's a cover. Anyway, excuse me, as I was saying, I'm trying to be authentic and I'm trying just to be myself and not, not, you know, make this something other than what it is. It's just, I'm just, I'm just a man trying to express himself because of a a need to express myself. Yeah, it's all your fucking insecurities and hang-ups and all that shit because something happened back in your childhood and the kids made fun of you or whatever and you're just trying to, to prove you're, you're cool now. Oh, yeah, you got something to say. Yeah, you, you're with it, man. You're not. Prick, the problem is with you. You're the, you're the one who has the problems. That's why you're just so, so nasty and cruel. It is cruel what you're doing, Okay. You kick a person when they're when 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 a little bit of love would help. I'm with you on that one, Scarborough dude. And I agree that Prick has really gone a bit too far this time and I wish He'd be a little bit nicer to you. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. It's been a long time since you've been around. And it's kind of you to to intervene at this point. Well, I know you're trying your best. And even though... It's not a very interesting podcast. At least you're doing it and you seem to be having a little bit of fun doing this thing. So, yeah, if you just think of it as a hobby, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. Well, thank you very much, and and I, I, I'm gonna. I, I think I, we'll we'll just may, maybe we'll just take a break. Maybe we'll just take a break, and and I'll see if I can piece myself together. What do you mean take a break? It's broken. It's been broken for for what ten years now? How long you been doing this? Sixteen years. You had an idea. You're gonna play some music, share it with your friends, and then it never went anywhere. It just it just you never got a groove. No, I've. I've, I've, I've had fun. Prick, I think you've said enough for now. Let's just leave the Scarborough dude alone to do his own thing however he wants to do it. Okay? That's, that's what I'm going to do. And I think you should... Too. Yeah, go fuck yourself. All right, uh, boys and girls. I'm sorry. I I am a little rattled now, and I'm I'm just gonna <sighs> take a breath, and uh, I'll get back to you later on.
that's a bell you rarely hear uh, because it's down in my basement bar and uh, that's where I happen to be sitting right beside my uh, Jack Kerouac beach shelf that's three shelves full and below that of course the Timothy Leary and along the other wall is my entire Henry Miller collection but you've heard all that before that's what I talk about every time I come down here um, there might be some music in the background that uh, I don't know what it's going to sound like. It is uh, Joni Mitchell from Don Juan's Reckless Daughter, an album. I've probably played the least of all the albums I have of her, and I have a lot of her albums. They're, they're lined up here on a chair right here in the bar because I got myself one of those little record players and I plugged in a pair of uh, speakers I had for an old computer. And I can actually listen to uh, music when I come down the basement. But this is the place I so rarely come down to. And I don't really know why. It it should be the most comfortable room in the house, but it's not. There's a bed on the floor now where Bruce slept and my son Kenji will sleep when he visits this week. (sighs) We had a huge TV screen. My wife insisted we get rid of that. And I thought, no, you might keep it for something. And no, no, no. So I've got most of it. It's the bar, my records, my books, my artifacts, and my museum, which you've heard about any number of times. This is the place where I really want to record um, the videos, the YouTube videos I want to do to tell my story and flog my stuff, you know? But uh, I say that every time I come down here, too, and I just can't seem to get going on it. So uh, we'll just park that. We'll get to, I had a few notes. I'm down a rabbit hole for sure, and that is over the Kennedy assassination. I watched 80 minutes of a documentary on Dorothy Kilgallen. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Dorothy Kilgallen. I remember seeing her on What's My Line and hating her on Bennett's Surf. You know, just, oh my God, these people, these intellectuals, these smart alecks, these rich people. I really despised them as as a kid, but uh, my parents would sometimes have that on. Or the Canadian version, Front Page Challenge. But um, anyway, so I knew about it, but now I'm, I have to watch that. I am convinced she was killed by the CIA or the mafia or, you know, working together. Uh, because she knew too much. She was a she was a journalist above all else. Uh, did radio, television, uh, writing, but uh, you know a gossip, but a, a forerunner for women's journalism. And she did. She was quite amazing. Clearly a bright woman. And she just dug deeply on a lot of murder trials. And then when she got to the Kennedy assassination, she said, "No, something stinks here, especially about the Warren Commission." And she had all kinds of contacts in police forces and everywhere else. And then, kind of quite out of character, uh, just before she was going to publish, she had collected all this material. Uh, she had passed some off to a friend, some notes. Uh, that friend died three days after uh, Dorothy Kilgallen died. And... The death was very unusual. I, I mean, everything stunk about it, but it was it was covered up. It was covered up, and so now again we're doing we're doing sixty years after the fact at least of Kennedy. Uh, a lot of stories come to light. So uh, anyway, it was in, very interesting. Listen, a little apology for uh, yesterday for the interruption by Prick. It was very nice of Dork to come back and uh, sort of take my side on this, sort of. Uh, but Prick is just annoying, and I wasn't expecting that, and uh, there we go. Um, I guess I'm going to dump that. You you can do your own research if you're interested, and maybe those of you out there have already got your mind made up or don't care or will never know the truth kind of thing, or maybe 9-11 is more your thing. But for me, the Kennedy assassination, uh, it, it's, it's huge. Um, again... I've been watching how it's made. They did one just on marmalade. 
16,500 tons of oranges, bitter oranges, sent from Spain to England each year to make their famous, you know, Robertson marmalade and so on. Um, it, it just, it, it stuns me. I watch them, how, how do you make a double-decker bus today? Holy shit, you know, amazing. Um, I don't know if I mentioned Sanctuary. It's on, if you're a Netflix fan, well, you can't be a Netflix fan, but if you have Netflix and you're a sumo fan, there's a show called Sanctuary, which maybe I mentioned it earlier. I found disgusting to start with, and now I'm completely hooked. I'm, I just finished episode six of eight, and we'll finish it this weekend. Dark and disturbing, but there you go. Um... I think that's it. Today is, of course, uh, the Canadian National Day of Podcasting, and that's why I've raced down to the basement to finish this off. It's snowing out, and um, that means no walk for me today. But I'll, I'll finish this and put it out there and hope that... I know there'll be a, a couple more. If you listen to uh, Dave and Anthony, um, you will know they put out two podcasts in time for this, and I think there's rumors Bruce Murray is going to also. Um I don't know if anybody else will play the game or even read what I posted on the Facebook group about Kindup. But um, there you go. This is is my effort. The music is a bit loud. It's making me hard to concentrate. I don't know how... I haven't heard back how it's going through here, but uh, it's it's nice to hear Joni again, uh, another person. I, I have a lot of heroes. Joni is up there with Leonard Cohen. And uh, deservedly so. Um, uh, that's about it. Gosh. Oh, they had something on um, jet fighters. They needed a special screw that was really tight. So they took the Phillips head and they off-centered the four lines that come out, off-centered from the center. So it was it, you need a special screwdriver for it and a special head. And it was how they made those things, including... Putting the metal for the screws into a blast furnace to rearrange the molecules. Now, again, that's science. Rearrange the molecules so it's harder. Like, who knows this? Well, people who study science, uh, you know, people who, who do this. And it gives me hope. The how it's made gives me hope. I know we all love to hate um, capitalists and, and large corporations. But God damn it, you need pretty large organizations to build airplanes. You know, you just you just need them. You want some fairness in the system, but you, you need a system that can organize people to do the various jobs. All right, somebody's got to make the aluminum. Somebody's got to mine that stuff. Somebody's got to bring this up. Somebody's got to do the chemical research. Somebody's got to to organize humans at the scale that we have is just fucking mind-blowing. Wow. What does it take? How do you... What, what sort of political system do you need at the top? What sort of military? What sort of police force? What are what, all the pieces that have to be put into place to get people? And we, the human race, has done that in such an incredibly short time. You think of the millions of years the dinosaurs ate only lived only to fight and kill and, you know, live to get food and what we primates have done in, in this just amazingly short time. So that's my, that's my picture of hope uh, for today. And that, that's what I'm going to leave you with. I know there's a lot of depressing stuff going on. I mean, these same scientists are making bombs that are destroying homes with laser accuracy uh, in the Middle East and elsewhere. And the ugly side takes advantage of the science we know for to, and militarizes it. But there are also the comforts you have in your home. The fact that I'm sitting in a, in a warm house on a snowy day and can get food by picking up my telephone if I wanted or any other number of ways without getting a club and hoping I'll get a piece of meat and won't get a spear in the back or a club over the head. You know, like that's... That's what's most amazing about uh, about the human race, that the fact that we have achieved so much and that we, there are parts of the world, like right here in Canada, where we are living in peace. So, uh, blessed 
be the peacemakers and uh, peace out, boys and girls. And uh, happy Canadian National Day of Podcasting to one and all. Bing, 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 bing. We'll end with a uh, we'll end with a bell right down here in the basement bar. Oh yeah.